Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we hear Luke's account of the Sermon on the Plain. Now what's interesting is both Luke and Matthew give us different versions of Jesus teaching the Beatitudes. In Luke's Gospel that we heard today, Jesus comes down the mountain with his apostles onto a plain or a flat land and then begins to teach all of the disciples before him. In Matthew's Gospel, it's just the opposite. Jesus goes up a mountain, sits down, and then begins to teach the people the Beatitudes. We also have to appreciate the context in which this gospel is set in. Just a day before this event occurred, or a few verses prior to our gospel of this morning, in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus goes up the mountain, and he prays all night long, and then the next morning, he chooses his apostles. And then they come down the mountain and Jesus teaches the people the Beatitudes. Now it's interesting to note, Jesus comes down the mountain with his picked apostles. Now remember, the apostles represent the church. And so it is God and the church coming down the mountain to the people that are waiting for him. And then once they reach the plain, they begin to teach the people the Beatitudes which really are the blueprint of the Christian life, teaching us how to live as good Christians and followers of Christ. Now, this conjures up images of Moses. We all know the story. Moses, in Genesis, he spends 40 days and 40 nights on top of Mount Sinai talking to God. And yet, before he descends down the mountain, God gives him the Ten Commandments and the two tablets. And then Moses, just like Jesus Christ in this gospel, Moses comes down the mountain and then he teaches the Israelites the Ten Commandments, which really is, again, the blueprint for the Israelites to be in a right relationship with one another and with God. And so the same setting holds true here. Here Jesus and the church comes down the mountain and gives the people there the vision of Christianity and how to live their lives. Now notice these Beatitudes. They are direct, but they also are a bit odd. Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Now, many of us don't like poverty. In fact, many people work very hard to avoid poverty. Next, Jesus says, Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Well, none of us like to be hungry. None of us want to go without food. In fact, it's actually painful to do such a thing. Next, he says, Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Well, we don't like to suffer. We don't like to suffer with pain or depression or anxiety. Finally, he says, Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and insult you. 
Well, nobody of us wants to be hated. We all want to be liked. It's a natural inclination. And so, it appears at first these Beatitudes are odd. And so, what are we to make of this? Well, one way to understand these Beatitudes is to read them through the eyes of detachment. The early church fathers spoke about this. They referred to it as the indifferentia, indifferent to the things of this world, detached from worldly goods. Essentially, what they were trying to explain was that each and every one of us has an infinite longing for the divine in our life. Why? Because we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Therefore, nothing in this world can satisfy that infinite longing except God and God alone. Well, the early church fathers would argue, we have to detach ourselves from this world, practice that indifferentia, and then attach that infinite longing that we have to God and God alone. And then we will be blessed. The other thing that we have to understand, we have to remember the Bible is originally written in Greek. And the Greek word that is used for blessed is makarios, which can also be translated as lucky you are, happy you are. Now, with that in mind, go back into the first beatitude that is taught. Blessed are you, lucky are you, who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Now, Jesus uses this as the very first beatitude. He could have used the other ones first, but he uses this one. As I've said many times, everything, every action, every word that Jesus speaks is very intentional. It's not random. And so, poor in spirit. What's the opposite of poor in spirit? Pride. And pride is the deadliest of all the sins. The prideful person says what? My life is about me. My wants, my desires, my pleasure, it all comes first. And everything and everyone in this entire world is second to me. How often do we hear in our culture, we describe a man or a woman as a self-made person. Well, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. It's the person that has emptied themselves. A person that is poor in spirit genuinely says, my life is not about me. It's about my life in relationship with God and how I live out my faith each and every day of our life. The person that is poor in spirit has emptied themselves of who they are, such that now God can dwell with inside of them. Paul puts it the best in Corinthians, It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Next, blessed are you when you are hungry. Well, in the spiritual life, what should we hunger for? Holiness. We all have a will. We all have passions. They should be focused on holiness. Look at the saints. They hungered and they thirsted for holiness, righteousness, a right relationship with God. We too have to hunger for holiness. Every time we pray, every time we come to Mass, every time we engage in stewardship, when we do that, then yes, we will be satisfied. We will be holy people. Next, Blessed are you when you are weeping. Well, isn't this bad or odd? Shouldn't we be a joyful people? Jesus knows that there are times in which doing the right thing is not going to be joyful. It's not going to be popular. When we follow the will of God, it's not always going to be easy. 
Again, go to the lives of the saints. They suffered from time to time. The will of God was at the center of their life. It wasn't glory or honor or popularity that was at the center of their life. It was doing the will of God. And therefore, the saints, from time to time, they suffered because they were motivated by love for Christ. Well, sometimes we too must suffer because of our love for Christ. We have to realize Jesus manifested his love for us in his passion and death on the cross. Therefore, there are times in which we have to bear the burden of our cross, motivated by love for Christ. Next, Jesus says, Blessed are you when the people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. Well, in the spiritual life, expect opposition. We have to realize the devil and the forces of evil, they don't want us to grow stronger in our faith. If we do, it makes them weaker. In fact, that's the last thing that they want, for us to draw closer to Christ. And so, there are times in our faith in which we will be challenged. But don't be afraid. From the moment of our baptism, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And from subsequent sacraments, that power has grown stronger and stronger, such that we can overcome any challenge in this world. In fact, I would argue, if we want to gauge or measure how well we're doing in the spiritual life, it would be based on, or could be based on, the level of opposition we face in the spiritual life. If a person is to say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, they're not walking the spiritual path. Again, look at the saints. They walked that spiritual path. And there were times in which they had opposition from the forces of evil in their spiritual life. But they overcame them. So too with us. Expect opposition. That's a great gauge to help us recognize we're walking the right path. The path that always leads to Jesus. Friends, today in the gospel, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Plain. For all intents and purposes, this is the blueprint to the Christian life. The Beatitudes teach us how we are to live our lives as followers of Christ. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread this gospel passage, and pray over it. We have to realize Lent is only two weeks away. This gospel helps us prepare for that sacred time in our life. Jesus, he gives us the Beatitudes. He comes down from the mountain with our church, and he teaches us how to live the Christian life. He gives us the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes shape and form our lives, now and forever. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.